Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am joined by Jacqueline Sclaver. Jacqueline is a licensed sports nutritionist and the founder of Athletes Nutrition. We talk about her jump from the world of marketing and PR to wellness. She shares the tips she's giving her athlete clients during these uncertain times and shares a life motto we can all benefit from. Listeners will also get insight into how their favorite athletes prepare to perform their best, whether at the NFL Combine or on game day. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. Now, let's get to it. Jacqueline, welcome to the Get My Job podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to be here today. We are obviously navigating a very strange time in our country, in the world, um, but I'm excited to talk to you about what you're doing and know you might be able to share some tips with everybody. Uh, but So let's jump on in. Uh, you are a licensed sports nutritionist. You are the founder of Athletes Nutrition. How did you first get started in the health and wellness industry? I have been interested in nutrition and fitness and everything related to that since I was really young. I mean, I actually started in grade school being aware of what I was eating. And like, the teachers would call my parents like, your daughter doesn't want to eat the school food. And my parents would say, well, yeah, we don't blame her. So I was into it at a really young age and I was intimidated by the science in undergrad. So I tried it and I just kind of went off into a different world and did PR and marketing. And then in my, I guess, early 30s, I decided, you know what, this is my passion. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to be doing. I quit my comfortable six-figure agency PR marketing job in New York City, and I went back to school um, to get my master's degree in nutritional sciences, and it was the best move I ever made. Not an easy path, um, but I'm so glad I did it now. So and how long? the long and short of it. Well, that's, that's how, how long have you been doing it now that since you made the jump? Yeah, um, I guess about five or six years. Um, I just finished my master's degree last year. So I started in the industry before I'd finished my master's degree. So I was working full-time and, and um, going to school full-time. Um, and I guess I've been working with professional athletes now for four years and in nutrition overall, six years. Oh, wow. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, I want to talk a little bit about how you got to working with professional athletes. But first, I kind of have a random question. Do you feel, and I, I asked this for a reason, uh, and I'll tell you what it is in a second, but do you feel that your background in marketing PR as you've started your own business has helped you in that way? Absolutely. I've always kind of had that entrepreneur mind. Both of my parents had their own businesses and worked from home. So I bounced in and out of working for startups, but I very rarely really had a job in an agency or in a company with a regular paycheck every week. So I think that that was innately in me. And it definitely has helped me as a business owner. That's something that I feel is one of the things that you could be really, really great at your skill, but if you don't understand how to run a business, it's hard. It's hard to be an independent business owner. That is very true. There's so much that goes into it. 
beyond just having a great idea or something that you want to do. Of course, running a business has so many layers. And I asked that question because for our listeners who maybe aren't working in the sports industry right now or in the fitness industry or the wellness industry, uh, but want to make a change, I just like to kind of drive home the point that everything you've done will be able to lead you to what you want to do. So not to discount the skill sets you have and how it might help you, you know, as you're making changes in your career. So as you said, oh, sorry, go ahead. I would say, I always say like, I'm a nutritionist and, and I know the science, but that's probably 20% of what I do as a business owner. You know, being mm-hmm. a nutritionist is 20% of being a sports nutritionist. I mean, there's psychology, there's accounting, there's, there's marketing. So any skill set that you had in the past is definitely going to come to the table later. So you mentioned, obviously you work with a number of professional athletes, and I know that you had worked with a number of guys, getting them ready for the NFL combine. Can you take us back a little bit and tell us how you first got in touch with athletes and how you got into that part of the industry? Sure. Well, I was an athlete my entire life. So that was kind of natural for me um, to go into sports nutrition. And I was a part of the International Society of Sports Nutrition had posted something. I think it was on Facebook. They were looking for an intern to help with NFL draft prep. But you had to go to Atlanta. And I, I answered the thing, I answered the, the posting and they said, sure, but you know, we're not paying for anything and you have to be down in Atlanta and you know, can you do that? And I was like, all right, I flew down there. I went to the facility. I knew right away I wanted to be there. I mean, they welcomed me like they were my family. Um, and I did everything I had to do. I got an Airbnb down in Atlanta for a few months, did that internship. And I picked up my entire life and moved down to Atlanta by the end of that year. I kept my apartment in New York City. I was able to rent it to somebody and I moved my life down to Atlanta because I was like, this is what I was meant to do. So I was really fortunate to have that opportunity. Um, But also at the same time, that was part of what I was always doing, you know, always networking, being part of societies, being part of of, of different groups. And that's what opened that door for me. So that's how I got into the football side of things. Can you talk a little about that internship? And I ask because one of the other things I always try to drive home on this podcast and generally when I talk to people is when you can take opportunities, try not to say no to things that could be very beneficial for you. So if you could just talk a little bit about that internship and then maybe transition into who your first major athlete was that you worked with. Sure. I agree with you 100%. We have to take every opportunity. It is not easy being in in a world of professional sports. it's not all glitz and glamour. You're not making tons of money. I have worked for, you know, for free, I want to say, quote unquote, um, or, or very small internship dollars for many years. And, and there were times where, where I had, where money was very tight, very, very tight for me, but I was doing what I love. Um, the internship was pretty awesome. You know, I was able to work with, I think we had almost 40 guys, pro day and some NFL combine guys at the facility. And then we had off season, about 20 NFL guys that came in. Um, so that really exposed me to a lot. And we also had a local college that was helping us do research. So I was able to jump on that as well. Um, and I was in there every day. You know, I guess you could almost call me the water boy or the water girl. I mean, <laughs> my role in the beginning wasn't so, so large, um, but I was making sure that they had their, you know, that they had their supplements. I was making sure that they had their water. I was talking to the guys every day and they would ask me for advice. And being an athlete myself, the best part of this is that I was able to train with them. So I was in the weight room with them. I'm an um, Olympic weight lifter by sport. So wow. being in the weight room with those guys opened up that communication, that trust, and that ability for me to really learn what they needed and what they needed from me and get that trust from them for them to trust me. So that's one of my favorite 
parts of doing what I do is that I get to train with my athletes. Um, so I think that that really helped me feel comfortable and, and moving forward in what I was doing with them. So every year that I was there, I was able to do a little bit more, see how they needed me and what I could do for them. And, um, and then as I started to develop relationships with the pro athletes, because, you know, it's, it's based off of trust. They're going to hire you because somebody referred you or because they trust you. You know, you've come, they, they understand that you know what you're doing and they see that you're smart and they know they can trust you in their life and with their career, with their, their bodies. Um, and as I started to work with them, they actually gave me a lot of confidence in knowing that I, I understood what I was doing, if that makes sense. You know, because I was like coming, going through college and being an intern and then finishing up grad school. And, and I was like, am I, am I able to actually work with them? You know, that definitely went through my head, but they instilled the confidence in me that I 100% knew what I was doing. So it was really great. Did you have a moment with anyone in particular at a point in the weight room where you kind of had that aha moment where you were like, yeah, no, I can do this. I 100% can do this. Could you point to anything specific? Yeah. I mean, this sounds crazy because I, I don't seem shy, but I am a little bit. And we had a lot of big name guys coming through there. And even though it was like my home and they were almost coming to my home, I don't like to interrupt people. I don't like to bother people. I'm not that kind of person. So I remember I used to be afraid sometimes to talk to the guys. And, you know, there was one guy and I'm from New York and there was one guy from the Jets and I, it took me probably weeks to like finally get the courage up to start talking to him. And then he became my client for a really long time. And knowing that he was, you know, 10, nine or 10 years into the league and that he was really well established and been through this for so many years and he trusted me and he kept telling me how much I helped him and change things that that helped me so much, so much of my career. I, I have to, I definitely will never forget that. So you do help athletes and you certainly make them better athletes. And this is a perfect transition because you have someone who had been an NFL player for nine or 10 years. So how would you say maybe the top three ways, maybe it's five ways you will know better than I, that you are really to, able to change something for a professional athlete that comes to see you and wants to get better, stronger. What are ways you're able to help there? You know, unfortunately, people have such bad eating habits that it's really easy to be able to change things for them because it's not just, you know, people just think, oh, it's food I'm putting into my body. But it's really, you know, we're looking at your sleep, we're looking at your hydration, recovery, lowering injury rate, getting your body fat down, you know, especially with NFL, they go in, they have a certain weight, but does it, it doesn't matter so much to the teams what their weight is. Is it fat mass or is it muscle mass? And to me, that matters. I want you, if you're going to be 300 and some pounds, I want to make sure that you're healthy at, the, at that weight. So there's so many little things that we can work on. Um, so I feel like I, you know, I make a change in their body composition. I, I lower their injury rates. I increase their recovery rates. Um, I look at their lab work overall as a, as a big picture of their health, and we can dig into those things. You know, their gut health, are there food intolerances going on? Um, maybe people are having chronic heartburn, things that you don't even think about with athletes, but of course it's bothering them. You know, they have to go into training every day, and they're, they're having heartburn all morning, and they're having to work out, you know, so things like that. Um, and then, of course, helping sleep. People that, the more you sleep, that's when all your recovery happens. So it's kind of like a domino effect, right? These little tiny things that we're fixing can change their entire world. And then I think another big thing is like food quality and learning about um, once, once they change their quality of food, they always say to me, like, I don't even, I don't even want to eat that stuff anymore. And I feel bad when I eat that stuff. So that makes a huge difference. That does make a huge difference. And I think we find that, you know, for ourselves, I find it for myself. I, I don't have a gluten intolerance, but I have a gluten sensitivity and I'm sensitive to nightshades and when I eat those things, I just don't feel good. It becomes about that, yeah. not about 
oh, it's, you know, not good for me. I don't feel good. That's a big thing. You know, um, I think it's 75% of the league are, is vitamin D deficient. Um, so that's something that's also like looking at micronutrients, but then also, you know, as you know, there's molecular mimicry. So you don't have to be allergic to gluten, but you can definitely have autoimmunity or some other type of gluten intolerance and that's interrupting your digestion. And that's going to affect your performance. So there's, these things are prevalent in everybody. <laughs> Athletes are not immune to the things that we experience every day. That's for sure. Answer to someone, I'm a college football player, which is never going to happen. So we're all going to have to suspend disbelief. But I am a college football player, and I've been invited to the combine. I want to have a pro day. Um, obviously, things are different in our current climate, but we did just have the combine. What are the first things you do? Is it the same as you do for someone who's been in the league a while? Or is there a little more malleability because you now have like a young guy who's kind of ready to do everything he has to do to make it in the NFL. So can you take us a little bit through that process of, of you meet that player and, and where you guys go from there? Sure. So combine prep is way different than anything else because we have eight weeks. We have eight weeks to take somebody who has never been on their own for food ever. I always say like they're thrown out into the wild and I get to take them in because they've been <laughs> fed all through college and probably fed by their parents before that. So we are starting at base camp and I have eight weeks to put on a lot of weight for some guys or take some weight off. But I mean, we're changing their bodies so much within eight weeks. Uh, so everything's done a lot faster. There's some rules that I, I would say, like my rules that I break, for example, um, you know, if you're a skills position and you need to put on 15 pounds, I'm not going to tell you that you can't have milkshakes. I'm going to be like, yes, please go have a thousand calorie milkshake every night. And that's what we have to do sometimes. So I think, um, of course, I want to focus on the anti-inflammatory diet. My one rule I say is like no fried foods. Let's keep that out of the equation right now. Um, but I do, we do have by all means necessary, have to get so many calories into these guys that it's a little bit different than the rest of the year. Plus, they're in hotels or Airbnbs. So we're not, they're not cooking their own food usually. Some of them are, but usually we're on a meal prep. So I kind of plan around the meal prep companies and I fill in the blanks. Um, getting them to eat breakfast is probably one of the biggest things that I try to drill into them. Like a lot of them are used to not eating breakfast. So they have to come in eating, um, you know, eating around the clock, even when they, they don't want to be. Um, and I think, so I think those are, those are probably some of the, the differences where if I have a year round athlete or even just an off season, it's totally different. Oh, also don't forget that these athletes aren't, you know, the agents are paying for them. So we're not looking at a ton of money either. We're looking at what we can do within a budget, within the meal prep company, not having their own home within eight weeks, having mm -hmm. to make these guys into phenomenal athletes for their combine. So it's much, much different process. And what, what do they come out knowing too? Um, some guys have, have come from a background where they actually do know a lot about food and some guys have absolutely no idea. So it, I'm also dealing with a different range with, with those people in one group. So we're gonna get back to that in a little bit with your clients, but I wanna talk a little bit more about you and the journey that you've taken along the way. Uh, first, I'd like to ask a question that I, I ask all of our guests, and I think it's an important one because it always ends up providing some valuable advice to our listeners. Is there a criticism you received early on, and this could have been when you were working in marketing or PR, when you were in school, or recently, though I say early on, but honestly, it could be at any time, that while it was tough to take, really helped to shape your future in a positive way? I think the hardest thing for me has just been being a female in this male-dominated industry. I've always been 
one of the guys always. I mean, even growing up, I was the only girl on the basketball courts. I was always working in gyms or any, anywhere I was, I was different than, than the person who had a ton of girlfriends. So it wasn't hard for me in that sense, but it really hits you a lot harder when you're working just as hard, if not harder than your counterparts. And you kind of get the door shut on you just because you're a female and it is what it is. You know I mean? I can't, there's no way around that. And I, and so I think that I, I felt for a little while when I was starting out my career, that there was like a big boys club, especially in sports nutrition and the science side of things. And I just pushed through it. I mean, I, I made myself go into uncomfortable situations. I would sit in the rooms when no one wanted to talk to me. And it's, and I also, uh, you know, I'm not an RD. I'm what's called a CNS, which is a different path. So I do have to have my master's degree and I am licensed, but I knew that I'd never wanted to work in like hospitals and in, in, and food is like for serving food. So that's what RDs have to do their internship in that. So I went a different route and I did my clinical hours working with athletes um, and doing functional medicine nutrition. So that is a big thing that's been an adversity a little bit because the, the people think, oh, are, are you an RD? And I'm like, no, I'm not an RD, but I have equal, if not more education than RDs. And I think that um, in the sports nutrition world in the beginning, it was kind of like I was pushed out because of that. What does CNS stand for, for those of us who might not know? It's, um, yeah, it's Certified Nutritional Specialist. Um, you have to have your master's degree. We have to take a board, you know, it's a board certification. Um, I spent about six months studying for that board. I had to do a thousand clinical hours and they had to be approved and supervised. Um, and it's more of functional medicine. So it's a little bit different than the RD track, but in as far as the state's concerned, we're both licensed down the same track. Okay. Fantastic. And so you said you would have to force yourself into rooms where maybe you weren't wanted and just join conversations. What tips do you have for people kind of that helped you navigate that when it wasn't so easy to do? You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that is like, that's kind of my, my life motto is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, as an athlete, that's something that's always pushed me that I know growth happens when I'm uncomfortable. And so whether you want to do it or not, like I'm working so hard in every area of my life to get where I want to be, that if I have to be uncomfortable in this room for an hour or 20 minutes or whatever time it is, that's what I got to do to get to the next level. Because if I just stayed where I was comfortable, I wouldn't be going anywhere. That's it's kind of like how I get in my head. I think that that's excellent advice. And I think that that is very true. And it's funny because you, we hear that often in the gym and in workout classes that this is where the change happens this is where the growth happens and the uncomfortableness. And I think that's true in the gym and out of the gym. So I think that's, uh, that is excellent advice. Did you have a mentor during your career that kind of helped you get to where you are today or has just become, has been a good sounding board for you? I wish I had a mentor. That's the one thing that I really wish I had. I hope one day I can be a mentor for somebody because I feel like I'm paving the path. There really aren't that many independent sports nutritionists, especially working with professional athletes. Um, and there aren't that many women that are doing it. So I haven't really had a specific mentor. I always go to advice. I go to some agents that I know or some athletes that I know or retired athletes or other people in the industry and I'll kind of bounce ideas off of them. But I haven't had a mentor and I, I really wish that I did. Well, and I think what you just said is great that you hope to be a mentor for somebody one day, because I do think that that is um, important. But so maybe not a mentor. Have there been people, though, that have inspired you? Absolutely. There are so many women in sports that have inspired me. Um, you know, uh, I did a, 
something last year during the Super Bowl in Atlanta where I honored different women in sports and we, we had them all come in for a, um, can't even think of the word now, <laughs> a panel. We had a panel for women in sports. And I listen to some of their stories and I still hear it in my head. Like when I have to walk in that uncomfortable room, I think about Pam Oliver's story about how they made her park all the way out in the field when the men could park up front and they made her carry all of her stuff. And then she'd get front and they're like, well, we don't have any room left for reporters. She's like, I just spent all week prepping for this interview, but she didn't stop, you know? And so the people like Pam Oliver and, and, you know, the people like Jim Wetlurge, who's the first female NFL coach, when I listen to her stories, you know, these people really inspire me to keep going because it's, nobody had it easy. None, none of us had it, have it easy. They didn't have it easy. I'm not going to have it easy, but it's the people that keep going that make the difference. I think you really hit on that. It's the people that keep going that make the difference. Do you ever have days where you wake up and you just say, I just, oh, I don't feel like I could do it today, but you're able to force yourself out of bed and keep it going? A little bit. I mean, I love what I do. I'm so blessed. I, I absolutely love what I do, but sometimes it's hard. And I think it's more not the sports nutritionist side of it, but the business owner side of it. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of not knowing what's going to happen next. Um, I don't get weekly paychecks. Um, you know, I may have something that I worked, been working really hard on and I thought that was going to come through and then it doesn't. So that's kind of an, you know, so you ever see that meme where it's like being an entrepreneur has those ups and downs, like the peaks and valleys. That's yeah. what life is like, you know? And so, and, and look right now, I mean, I was sitting on top of the world. I went from a hundred to zero having Super Bowl week was absolutely amazing. NFL combine was the best time I've had in my career. And then the week later, like, wow, the whole world just stopped. And I think I went through a little bit of a depression just because combine was over and then like, oh my gosh, all these plans and all these things that we had put into place are just stopped. And I'm also a coach and I have athletes from every area, like, what are we supposed to do now? We've been prepping for this, whether it be, you know, whether it be a bodybuilding competition, whether it be <laughs> NFL draft, um, you know, I have athletes all over that were like, help me, what do I do? And I'm sitting here like, oh gosh, I got to keep my act together. I got to keep myself together. And um, so, so yeah, I think that, that we go through emotions, you know? Absolutely. And so I have a, a two-part follow-up to that. I'll start with the first. How do you keep your act together? Because I think it's something everyone's struggling right now, no matter what you know position we're in. So many people working for home, their jobs are uncertain. How do you, for, in your words, I like that, keep your act together. I think it's a good way to put it. I feel a little lucky right now because I work from home, right? I mean, I go into facilities and gyms, but generally speaking, I work from home um, and I'm a very kind of reclusive person. Like I'm not out partying on the weekends. I train by myself in a gym usually. So I'm not around people a lot, but this is actually not a different change of pace for my life too much. Um, except the fact that I was flying out to different cities every week um, from with, with the uh, trading for combine and stuff. But um, so I think it's just keeping, keeping my head up, knowing that things are going to get better. I mean, they absolutely are. Um, just like every other day of the year, I'm inspired by my athletes and by their strength. And that keeps me going too. And knowing that I have to be strong for them um, because we have to right now. And health is so important right now. And people's nutrition, the fact that athletes aren't able to train and that we don't know when the season's going to start or just general population, you know, they're, they might be working out from home and everything's changed. Like nutrition is so important right now. And I know that my role is more important than ever, and that keeps me going. So what do you adjust with your athlete clients? What are you able to do with them um, virtually, but what are you able to do with them during this time period? Yeah. Um, a lot of them have, have had to lower their calories. You know, if my guys were training four, five, six hours a day, and now they're 
doing what they can in a park and maybe training two hours a day, we've definitely lowered their calories, lowered their carbohydrate intake. Um, and you're making sure in the beginning, it was like, Hey, let's make sure you have food. Let's make sure you're going to have stuff available. Cause we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, now we see the supermarkets are being restocked and food's available. Um, but at first it was like, okay, let's see what's going to make sure you have food. And then it was, all right, like this conversation happened last week with my guys was, okay, it's time to take your calories down. We're going to take down your calories. We're going to take down your carbs. It's going to be a little bit more important what's going into your body. If you can't focus on your training, let's really learn what's going on with your food. Because even though I do nutrition for a lot of athletes, some of them, it's, it's so, I make it so it's so easy for them to follow, but I want them to learn. Like this is the time to understand why we're eating these foods and why we're doing it at certain times. Like give a little bit more time to put into it. So my ideal world, they'd all be jumping on the jumped on the train to do that. Um, but yeah, I think in, on top of the food, it's just letting people know that nobody really knows what's going on. We're all in it together and we're all doing the best that we can. So, you know, we're just taking it day by day, really. And what would it, some advice that you have for, you know, the rest of us, the not professional athletes, and maybe it's, it's very similar, but what are some things we can be doing uh, at this time, you know, just to to ease our minds, to make sure that we're being healthy, but also, you know, enjoying comfort food sometimes is it's a, you know, it's an uneasy yeah. time for people. I mean, it really should be similar to the way your regular lifestyle runs in the sense that um, you should be aware right now of how many calories you're taking in. Listen, some people, I don't want you obsessing with it, but if you're staying at home and you're working from home and your activity level is down, well, this is a time to really focus on what's going into your body. And I'm not saying you have to sit here and count every calorie, but snacking can be a problem, especially if people are working from home. So setting meal times and trying not to get into the habit of snacking um, and preparing your foods ahead of time. You know, put some fun into the foods that you're eating. Look at some, look up some recipes, learn how to make food in bulk now, learn how to plan your foods out ahead of time, um, have them ready. So when you do get hungry, the meals are ready and you're not just going into the cupboard and snacking on stuff and taking time out to do some type of exercise, um, whatever that may be. There's so many free resources out there to work out online, work out from home, work, take a walk outside, but give yourself that recess time that you would normally be having if you were in an office or commuting home. Um, so I think those are two really important things is, you know, take the time to focus on your food now because you can and you can learn about it. And then also take the time to make, keep your body moving. Both, both very good pieces of advice for sure. Uh, something that we ask pretty much all of our guests, and I know it might be a little, well, not, I know it might be, it probably is completely different right now, but under normal circumstances, would you be able to take us through a day in the life of Jacqueline Skliver? Sure. So under normal circumstances, <laughs> I would, this time of year, I would get up and I would go into the performance facility uh, two or three days a week. And I would in the morning, you know, meet with the athletes, um, kind of hang out in there a little bit. So a little bit of it's networking for me at all times. So, you know, different agents are coming in, maybe coaches are coming in, athletes, parents. Um, so it's, it's kind of a time where I'm working and also networking, meet with the guys, um, work out. So whether I'm working out at the facility or I spend about two, sometimes four hours a day working out. So then I go train myself, I would say between 12 and two o'clock. Um, and then I come home and then I catch up on all my work, all my client calls, any work that's due out, answering emails, things of that nature. Um, and I'm probably work, I probably work around the clock. I probably work till 10 o'clock at night sometimes. Unless I have specific plans set, I will work throughout the night. 
So sometimes I say to my friends, like, I have to schedule, put you in my calendar as, as impersonal that sounds. If I don't have plans, I'll continue to work because there's always something to work on. Um, mm-hmm. Two days a week, I do my client calls and check-ins because I actually haven't met about 70% of my clients in person. I have NFL athletes I've never met in person. So oh, that's two days a week I spend, yeah, I spend, I, I mean, they, they get referred to me by like a teammate or something. So I've never met them. Um, and so I spend two days a week on the phone almost the entire day going through client check-ins and calls or Zoom video, whatever they're comfortable with. And then as that day goes on, it's almost like a doctor, right? Like I have to listen to them. I have to see changes that need to be made to the plan. I need to get back to them with information. So I take notes throughout the day and then I follow up on all those calls, whether it be throughout the night or the next day. Um, so that's kind of how I have my, my days set up. And then I try to take one day a week to myself. Sometimes that ends up being travel, but sometimes it's the beach. So at least one day a week just to myself where I'm not working at all. And will you turn your phone off on those days? Will you totally disconnect? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm never turning my phone off. So I, I have clients that have me on call 24-7, like my concierge clients, where I speak to them every single day. Okay. And I never shut my phone off. If I shut my phone off, people might think I died. That's fair. I'm, I'm very responsive. I'm one of those people who are like, I'm very responsive. So uh, if people don't hear back from me, they're like, are you okay? Well, that's fair. I, I, I can understand that. I have a, a tip. I did some tips last week and um, reposted them this week on working from home because I work from home as well. So giving tips to people. And one of my things is putting my phone on airplane mode or putting your phone on airplane mode for two or three hours a day to really focus on specific projects and tasks. And a friend of mine said, do you actually do that? Because I feel like you're very connected. And I'm like, I do do that when I ha- I do do that. There are times in the day where I put my phone on airplane mode so I can focus. Uh, I don't think I couldn't do it for an entire day, but I can give it, you know, two or three hours to really focus on something. But in your business, no, you really can't. You're right. You've got, you're very much working with clients. And like you said, you're concierge clients. So I imagine that would be very, very difficult. So we all have to navigate kind of what works best and how we can balance best. So when you turn your phone back on, how many messages do you have on average? A lot. (laughs) Right. A lot between the Slack and the the emails and the social and the whole thing. There's definitely, there's definitely a lot of messages, but that's why, you know, I have to do it. I learned that early and this is probably sounds so like it'd be so obvious, but when I first started doing podcasts, I didn't do that. I just would put my phone on vibrate or silent. But if I looked, you know, it distracts the entire thing. And I learned I have to put my phone on airplane mode. I have to take off my iWatch and I just have to really focus. Or when I need to write a story and really focus on that, I have to put on airplane mode for the exact reason you just said, because all these messages and things come in. But I think everybody's industries are different. And in yours, that just probably is not possible. I do that with my workouts. I, I have to put my phone, I use it to record my workouts for my coach, but I can't be disrupted. That's my zone. That's my therapy. That's my everything. And once I get one message, it's over. Like I'm out of that zone. So that's what I, I would say. Probably my time of airplane mode is when I'm working out. It was when I'm doing my Olympic weightlifting. That's, that's fair. I try to do that with workouts as much as I can. There are times where I can't, depending on what's going on, but I try to do that as much as I can because I agree with you. Once you have the one, it's hard to to refocus. Um, but I think it's it's all interesting. I just love learning about so many different careers and, and things people are doing. And I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and especially 
right now people you know need to know about this so this is this is fantastic um, you talked before about it being a male-dominated industry and how difficult that has been. How have you seen opportunities change and grow for women, though, and how do you think we can still improve? I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I mean, of course, it's amazing to see some female coaches in the NFL. That makes me so happy, especially in the strength and conditioning and position side. Um, you know, nutritionist is generally thought of as a female position, and it is. But um, I think independent business owner is not you know, and I'm in there every day, like I'm one of the guys, you know, I'm, I'm the only female, and I'm in the trenches with them. So I think there's a lot of room for us just to be accepted. Um, okay, so this is gonna sound crazy, but this is one of my best examples. I, and I have some friends that, that are men that are coaches in, in the industry, and they've done really well, and they've been really supported by their athletes, and they're, they're pushed by them, and they're marketed by them, and they're one of the boys, you know, they become part of their crew. And I always, I genuinely believe that if I was a man, I would have become part of that too with some of my athletes and they would push me so much more and promote me more. And I'd be, you know, part of that kind of click that they have. And, and my career would have grown a lot more, but I believe because I'm a female, it's a little taboo to be like supporting and pushing and posting about a female. And I could be wrong, but that's, and I, I think I'm right though. I think that if I was a male, there would have been that a little, a little more support from the people around me, if that makes any sense. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective. But definitely, that is um, a very perspective. And, you know, it, it totally makes sense. And I can't, I can't control that, you know, and also like we're dealing with people from all different parts of the country that grew up differently. I'm a New Yorker. So New Yorkers are like much different. And like being down South, I realized how different it was just to have a woman that close to you, like an older woman who was, I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm not older woman, but you know what I mean, I'm not 20. So um, who was kind of just like your pal, you know, I'm just like their friend, you know, and that's something that a lot of uh, younger guys never, never even had a female friend, you know? Um, so I think that that's another part of it too, like the cultural differences and things like that. So, um, so it's navigating that. Now, as far as I think that women are starting to get more respect in the industry, which is great. I think the women need to stick together. And I, you know, I was on this amazing call yesterday with some women that work in the NFL. It made me so happy to even be a part of that group and to hear them talking because we need to stick together through it all. We need to support each other. And, um, and you see that, I do see that within the NFL. I think that the women that are involved in it, whether it be agents or, you know, NFLPA or marketing, I think we're all kind of in it together and we want to help each other. So that's really good. And that is something we drive home a lot on this podcast is working together and supporting each other. That was, it was one of the reasons I started Fangirl Sports Network was to create a community of like-minded women who could empower and support each other. And I think it's such an important part of what we do because there's enough competition out there. Um, we should definitely stick together. And you said something else earlier a couple minutes ago was what you said is that you can't control. And I think that's the other thing that sometimes we just have to let go of, like some things we can't control and some we can, and we have just have to focus on the stuff we can. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in coming back to where I said before about if I was a male, that maybe the athletes would kind of support me more in that camaraderie. Well, but the females that work in the industry, we can. So we can kind of get that bond together and support each other and promote each other and be like, hey, this is what so-and-so is doing and put that out there. And, you know, because we need to do it together if the guys aren't going to be doing it for us, you know? A hundred percent. I could not agree with you more on that. So before we go into five fun facts, which is always my favorite part, I have one more question for you and then we will 
head to five fun facts. But that question would be if you could give our listeners one piece of advice for starting a career in your field, and you did somewhat touch on this earlier, but if you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? I think it would be find, find what makes you unique. Uh, I've learned from some younger people that sports nutrition happens to be one of the largest majors right now. So what's going to separate you from other people? And, and what is that like one little niche within sports nutrition? Um, and I, so I think that that's something that's really important starting out. And also, how can your peers and colleagues call on you for help? So make that something like you're a necessity, you're a need. And, and what's going to make you a little bit different? Find that one area within the field that people are going to need you, but you're also unique. I love that. I love how find how your peers and colleagues can call on you for help. That's awesome. I'm writing it down. That's how much I like it. Um, I'm into writing things down right now, and I really, really like that. So now we go to five fun facts. Uh, every so I don't think I don't know that you would know this, Jacqueline. This started. Uh, I cover the 49ers as well as run Fangirl Sports Network, and it started with 49ers players. I do videos with them on five fun facts about them that gets to you know they get to share a different part of their personality so on this podcast though every week we ask our guests the same five fun facts questions which has been for lack of a better term really fun because it's the same five questions and we get so many different answers that i just love it so whenever you are ready i will rattle them off for you okay i'm ready what is your favorite moment in sports Definitely Women's World Cup winning that. That was just the awesomest feeling as a female, as a woman, as an American. Definitely my favorite. What? Well, you did say it earlier, but do you have another life motto or you want to stick with the one you had earlier? Yeah, I think that's my life motto. You know, you have to change happens when you're uncomfortable. So be comfortable in be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, find comfort in your in the uncomfort zone. Uh, well, this is a really particularly fun one for you, even though I think I might know the answer, but what is your go-to workout? I train in Olympic weightlifting, so every day for me is snatches, cleans, and squats. But if I don't have that equipment available, I am a diehard Peloton fan. Me too! That's awesome! Yay! We should yeah, do a ride. I mean, it just makes life so easy. Yeah, I'll have to get your name now, because everyone's on Peloton now, so we'll follow yes. each other. We absolutely should follow each other. And I actually got it in January. And I will say in the last few weeks, boy, am I happy I did. So uh, I agree with that. All right, we'll definitely have to do that. Do you drink coffee? And if so, do you have a go-to coffee order? I do. I'm a tall Starbucks and you know, tall Starbucks room for cream. I do a drop of like half and half and a sweet and low. Okay, I like it. That actually sounds delicious. Uh, and last but not least, what is a book every woman should read? You know, I honestly have been so buried in biochemistry books for the past few years that embarrassing. I don't do not have the answer to this. Um, but I do love that Tim Grover book. Um, and of course, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my head. You have to know what the book I'm talking about, right? Yes. Um, I'll, I'll find the, the title. Yeah, with the cleaner, you know, that was one of the best books. I loved his book. That was such a that was such a good book as a business owner, as an athlete. Um, I don't know so much as a female, but it applies to everybody. So I really do like that book. But I haven't been able to leisurely read in about five years. I'm ready for that. Okay. Well, maybe uh, maybe you'll read something during some of this downtime, and you can follow up with us and let us know if you found a good one that we can all 
we can all jump in on. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining me today. This was really informational and inspiring, and this was really, it was a great podcast, so I was excited to talk to you, and I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. All right, everybody, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network and to subscribe to this podcast, Get My Job, on iTunes and leave a review. I will talk to you later. Goodbye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.